morning, everyone. My name is Felix Justin, and I lead the teen ministry here in Santa Clarita. Talking about teen ministry, I'm really grateful because recently we had Christian come to the teen ministry and help out and bring his, all his awesome talents. And uh, we've been waiting for a girl, okay? And today we're going to announce that Tiffany Thomrongsith is going to be coming over as well. You can stand up, please. And I do just want to say thank you to the singles, especially single women, for uh, giving her to us graciously. We're going to really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Tiffany, for, for your sacrifice. Thanks, Dad. It's my dad. And uh, Alex over here is going to be used in the example for later. So don't mind him. You can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. We'll begin reading in just a moment. But I just want to help you get to know me a little bit better. I always like to tell stories about myself. And uh, recently, I watched a great movie called Warrior. And if you've seen this movie, you know how awesome it was. I don't usually try to promote movies, but this was a great movie. It was a battle between two brothers, a struggle, kind of this love, hate, fighting, ultimate fighting, actually. So it was right up my alley. But uh, I love the entire movie. You know, it was one of these epic movies where it makes you feel things. You know, and at the end of the movie, I felt three things. I felt like I wanted to go work out. I wanted to fight. And I also wanted to cry. And uh, out of those three things, I just cried. And then I went to sleep. I didn't work out. And, you know, and maybe you've had that kind of experience. But I, I've done this with a number of different things where there are certain experiences that we have. And, uh, you know... You go to a concert, maybe you go to a sporting event. Recently, I went to a hockey game. I went to go see two Kings games. And uh, I haven't gotten to see hockey in a really, really long time. But anyways, we went to the Kings game. I went with Jill. We went with a couple other people. And I found myself on the edge of my seat, like waiting for like some, something to happen. It was awesome. I've not, I'm not sure if you've ever gone to a hockey game, but it was, it was great. You know, I was shouting. I'm not even a fan. You know, everyone has their jerseys. I had nothing. You know, and at the end of it, I felt, okay, I want to go play hockey. My son is two years old. I, I should start thinking about getting him on the ice, you know. If he's going to have a chance, he's, he's got to get started now. And then I thought, at least maybe I should buy a shirt or a hat, right, to show my support. And I did nothing. Now, I went home and... I'm just regular, and I just look back at that moment. I was, that was great, but really, it, it didn't change me or move me to do anything. And I have a feeling that I'm not the only one who's done this. I think we go to th these different things. We go to watch a movie, and we feel these different things. Maybe we're crying. Maybe we're excited. Maybe we're shouting at the screen. Maybe we go to a concert. We feel moved. We feel touched. Maybe we uh, watch a compelling movie or video clip online like Coney 2012. 63 million people have watched it already. Maybe you are, 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 have, have done these kind of things, right? Maybe you had this great deep talk with a friend or something like that. Maybe you've seen a commercial about the hungry kid on some other country and it only takes a dollar to, to give to them, but, but really you never did anything. 
You know, you have these great experiences and you move to something, but, but nothing really ever happens. Now, I was, I was starting to think about these things because I feel like I do this a lot. So I, I was trying to find somewhere in the, in, the, in the Bible where I'm sure this has happened. You know what? It has. And we're going to look at two guys and we're going to look at their response to God and having this great experience with Jesus and how they responded. Luke, Luke chapter 18 Verse 18, we're going to compare two guys. The first is a rich ruler, and the second is Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 18, verse 18, it says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now I want you to remember that. This guy was looking to Jesus, and he's searching for something. Searching for eternal life. Verse 19, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, etc., etc. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. You know, at this point, he might have felt really good about himself. You know, he goes up to Jesus and asks him the question, and, and Jesus rattles off the commandments. And he says, you know, I've kept those actually since I was a boy. Then verse 22, Jesus heard this, and he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. You know, in Matthew, it says he went away sad. You know, he had this great experience with Jesus. He went to him. He's talking to him. He's seeing God in the flesh, face to face. I've never seen that, but he did. And he had a lot of things going for him too, right? I mean, he was rich. He was young. He was a ruler. And he was a spiritual dude. And Jesus says one thing. You got to give it up. You got to give this one thing up. And what is his response? He walks away sad. Sad because he couldn't do it. Sad because he was wealthy. Sad because it, was, it had a hold on him. Right? Haven't we done this spiritually? Haven't we heard a great sermon that we're like, man, that was such a great sermon, but never really moved us? Haven't we had a, a Bible study maybe that someone's sitting down face to face showing you scriptures you need to change. This is you. But we don't change. How many talks, friend to friend, I, I, I love you, brother. I, I need you to hear this. You need to change in this way. You need to give this up. And we feel something. Everything in us, we know we should. But we walk away sad, unchanged, unmoved. I know that's, I've been there. And I'm pretty sure many of us have been there too. And I want to talk about that dynamic because it's not good. It's not a great place to be. We need to have a change. We need to give it up. Amen? So we're going to, obviously, that guy, he had a bad response, okay? So now we're going to look at the guy who had the good response. Luke chapter 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So I'm not sure how short this guy was, but for the Bible to mention that you were, are that short? I mean, you must be really tiny. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, when I think of this, Luke is giving me a great picture. This is, okay, so small guy, okay? Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, Lord, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Both of these guys, Zacchaeus and the rich ruler, were looking for Jesus. Both were rich. Both were wealthy. Both had, thing, they had things going for them, right? But there was a big difference, and it was their response. Right? They both needed something to change. And the great thing about Zacchaeus, to me, is that Jesus didn't even have to say anything to him. What did Jesus say to him? He said, hey, come down. I'm going to go eat at your house. Jesus didn't really challenge him at all. He knew. Why? Because the people around, they were muttering, oh, man, that guy's a sinner. See him over there? That guy's a sinner. And he knew in his heart what that kind of sin was. So he says, look, Lord, here and now. I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor, and the other half are going to be split a bunch of different ways because I've cheated people. And he knew. He knew what kind of sin he was involved in. And, you know, maybe the rich ruler knew too. Maybe the rich ruler went up to Jesus asking him for eternal life. God, Jesus, what can I do to get eternal life? But maybe he knew in the back of his mind, man, I really love money. I hope he doesn't say it. Man, I want to change Jesus, but just not this. And when he said it, when he said, give up everything and follow me, he went away, he went away sad because he knew it was too hard. Because he knew it, it had a grip on him. Maybe that, that's the way it, it is with us. Maybe not money, maybe something else. Maybe a certain type of sin in your life. You know, I can imagine the rich ruler, why is it hard to give up money? Why? Because it makes you feel good. It it gives you a sense of self-worth. It gives you power. He was a ruler. He had so many different reasons why he shouldn't give it up. And for us, you can apply the same thing to our life. What is the one thing in your life that you have to give up? What is it? What's the thing that inside you're hoping Jesus doesn't say it again? Maybe people have talked to you about it several times. One, two, three, four. Maybe you had heard so many different messages about it. But you still don't want to change. You see, the rich ruler was looking for eternal life. And that's what the thing that Jesus brings up. Give this up and then you have eternal life. But he walked away sad. You know, what is your one thing? If you're, you're struggling to find your one thing, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you have several things that you can give up, right? Just focus on one thing today, okay? Here's some practicals on how to find your one thing. 
When you read the Bible, what pricks your heart? Meaning, when you're reading the Word of God, you're having a quiet time, you're spending some time with God, you're spending some time with somebody else, and you read a passage, and it almost highlights itself for you. And you think, oh man, that one stings. If I could take any scripture out, it'd be that. That's probably your one thing. Or at least one of those things. So when you read the Bible... Okay, another way is, what has someone said to you recently that you've either heard in a message or heard directly that you need to change? Meaning, someone has told you, Felix, this is what you need to change. It could be that direct. Or it could be coming from a sermon or something that you've you've heard in a seminar, at a retreat, something like that. What is something that someone has directly told you, a spiritual person, that you need to change? That's probably one thing. Or, or thirdly, it is, if this one's for Christians, what has the Holy Spirit been moving you to do? Meaning there's, some, there's a Holy Spirit that's inside of you that has been trying to get your attention, right? Please change this. Please change this. Talk about this. Confess this. But you've ignored it. What's your one thing? Those are three just practicals, very practical things on how to find your one thing. And if you still haven't found it, after the service, ask somebody, okay? Just say, hey, you know, what is one thing I can really change that you see? Uh, And if you're married, ask your spouse, because I'm sure they'll have one for you. Actually, I promise. So for me, my one thing was being angry. Uh, Last year, I actually, I think I asked my, my wife... What should I work on? And she said, you know what? You, you become an angry guy. And, uh, and that hurt because I didn't think of myself as an angry guy. I thought of myself as really outgoing, really loving. And I thought of myself kind of like my dad, you know, just real happy. But, uh, but no, my, my wife is saying that you're an angry dude. You know what? And that scared me because I've seen angry people. I've seen angry dads. And I didn't want to be that. And that really, really scared me. So I, I found my one thing. My wife told it to me. And then I went, okay, I'm going to try to apply this. I'm going to try to change this. So I went to Mike Hammer and I asked him, hey, what do you do if, if you're just becoming angry? If, if you're just like everything you're saying is kind of angry and it's toward my wife. And he gave me the advice that, or the input that whatever's coming out is what's on the inside. You know, whatever from the heart the mouth speaks, that was there. And so I tried to change what was on the inside. So I began to pray every day. But I began to do it in a different way. I began to type out my prayers. I began to blog, I guess, just by myself. I didn't put it online. That would be scary. Don't search those. But I began to type out my prayers because I thought, okay, I'm going to have this focused time with God, and I want to really understand what's in there. And it was scary. You know, I don't want anybody to read those at times. Because there's some scary things in there. I was an angry guy. And I did that for an entire year, all 2011. And, uh, you know, it was hard. It wasn't easy. And then at at the beginning of 2012, I I went up to my wife and I asked her, said, Hey, honey, how do you feel like I've been doing with being angry? She says, Wow. You know, I, I, I didn't even think about that anymore. I don't think of you as an angry guy anymore. I was like, Yes! awesome but you know what 
it took some time. It took energy. It took an entire year of me working on it, changing it, trying to, what's in there? What's in my heart? What's your one thing this morning? So what happens when you find your one thing? Okay, now maybe you have it in your mind. Maybe you're locked in, or if not, you're, you're going to go to your spouse after, after church and ask her or ask him. So what happens? Luke chapter 18, verse 24. Jesus looked at him, the rich ruler, and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So this morning, Alex here, he's my example. And Alex, since I started, has been trying to thread the needle, the the needle. I looked for a camel, but uh, they're really hard to come by. So what I did was I found animal hair, okay? So Alex has a... A lot of animal hair, synthetic, synthetic, okay? Don't want animal cruelty. So, Alex, how many hairs have you got through that needle? Can you just display the needle for a second? Can you all see that? I'm sure you can. How many, how many hairs, Alex? I just got to number 40. 40 hairs. Okay, thank you very much. You can stop, Alex. You can take your seat. Thank you. Let's give Alex a hand. So Jesus, I guess he proved, Alex is proving my point, or Jesus' point, right? He's saying it is easier for a camel, an entire camel, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Now, I just displayed right now, he only got 40 hairs, right, into this, this, uh, this needle. Now, it took him a long time. It's about 20 minutes. What, why does Jesus say that? Why does he give us this example? He's saying, no, it's hard. He's saying it's time-consuming. He's saying that it takes detail, attention to detail. He said it's not going to be easy. Change is not going to come easy. It's not going to come quick either. That's his example. That's the exact example that I, hopefully you, get, you got the picture with Alex. So why does Jesus say this? If you're sitting there and you want to, to change, if you want to make a difference, why, why, why stop me there, God? Why stop me there, Jesus? Verse 26, Luke chapter 18, verse 26. His disciples were asking the same thing. Those who were heard, heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Verse 27. Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, as only Peter could do, we, all, we have all left all we had to follow you! Exclamation point. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Eternal life. If you remember, what was the rich man looking for? He was looking for eternal life. Did he find it? No. He walked away sad. But to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus gave up everything. 
And look at what Jesus said. Luke chapter 19, verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. See, these, bo- both these guys were on the same path, okay? They both had something that we were looking for, something that they wanted from Jesus. Zacchaeus was looking for him. The rich ruler came up to him face to face, but they both had this interaction with God in the flesh. But they both had very different responses. Jesus essentially called out the same sin. Money was the issue. What is the issue this morning for you? And how is your response going to be? Now imagine if, if this church, imagine if this room right now just gave it up, gave that one thing that you're thinking it up. How would this church look like? How many more people could be here? How would your family look like? How would your family night look like if the mom, the dad, just gave it up? Maybe you're holding something on, or holding on to something. Maybe you're holding on to a grudge. Maybe you're holding on to some hours at work because you don't want to give it up. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's porn. Maybe it's a whole list of other things. What is it this morning? Give it up. Because it's blinding you. It's stopping you from getting eternal life. That is the one thing. This man was awesome. If I, I saw this rich ruler come, come to me and come to the, you know, our teen ministry, as if I met him at one of our Bible talks, he would look like a stud, honestly. He'd probably look like Alex. And I'd want him in my teen ministry. I'm like, well, what can we do to get you in? But not Jesus. He just said, you got, we got one thing. Go take care of that. How about for us this morning? I only have one point. It's give it up. One point sermon. But imagine what that would look like. Imagine what this church would look like. Imagine what your family would look like. Imagine what Santa Clarita would look like. Your job would look like. Your classroom. If we did this. Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but found something eternal. I'll say that again. Zacchaeus was looking for Jesus, but found something eternal. We're all going to have a response to this message today. The question is, how will you respond? Will you respond like the rich ruler and walk away sad? Or will you respond and give it up? The question is for you. Amen.